talk for about three minutes here and give a little bit of history. So much of who I am happened at a critical crossroads in my life in, uh, in the summer of 1994. And many of you who, who've walked with me for some time know a lot of this story, but I was a, um, it was a summer between my junior and senior year of high school. And six months prior, uh, we had just moved to a new church and the Lord had sent Pastor Scott and Marsha Hawksworth to be the youth pastors of this church just 20 years ago. And um, a number of very, very significant things took place, not the least of which being that under the spirit of a father and under the spirit of worship and under the spirit of brokenness, this man and this woman carry, the Lord cracked open my life and he drew me unto himself and captured my heart in a way that first love passion for 20 years began at an altar under this man's ministry and under this man's fatherhood. I remember the night often, I remember it just as clear as day. There's old time uh, wooden altars, four of them that were laid out in this little youth chapel. And he was singing a song that he had written called, I Wanna Be Broken. Time to time, I go back and just sing that song to the Lord. I go back and I visit that altar. Keep my heart tender. Keep my passion alive. Keep my spirit pure. And as a young kid of 16 years old, I just, or 17, I walked forward at that altar. I didn't know what was going on. Something was compelling me. And for about two hours, I just laid out on that altar. I cried every tear I could cry. snotted every snot I could snot. I just made a verb out of that. And, um, and the Lord put his hand on my life and he changed me. And he asked me for three things. And I gave him those three things and I gave him access to every area of my life. And I said, for the rest of my days, God, I will follow hard after you. And that's been a theme. Brokenness has been a theme of my life for the past 20 years. And um, it's because of this man. It's because he carries that spirit because he carries that anointing. It's because his wife, their marriage, carry that spirit and that anointing. And for 20 years, these guys have put their fingerprints on my life. They've been with me through thick and thin. They've counseled me in some of the toughest and darkest moments in my life. And then I shared the story actually a couple, a couple days ago. Unbeknownst to me, the spirit of sonship was working at work. I didn't have language for it, but all I knew was I was compelled to come one morning into his office and I said, I, I, don't, I don't know what this means, I don't know what this looks like, but I'm, I'm just gonna ask you, would you be a Paul in my life? And would you let me be a Timothy? It's all the, that's the only frame of reference I had. Well, I know now I was talking about spiritual sons and fathers. And that's what this man and this woman have been for me for 20 years. This is our 20 year anniversary. And on our 20 year anniversary, I get to bring them into our Antioch one year anniversary. And I get, I, I get to let my father and mother of 20 years come and open wide their hearts and love on you and pour out their hearts upon you and share a word from the Lord. You know, we are so honored, guys. The Lord has brought us and is bringing us some just incredible fathers and mothers, just incredible men and women of God. And, uh, and I look at that as such uh, a gift. And Scott and Marcia, you are a gift to me. I'm so glad my children know you. It's, um, you know, with Christy being gone, she said, why don't you see if Papa Scott, Mama Marsh would come out and just see if they could just be with you for the week. And I didn't think it would work out. He and I have been going back and forth literally all year long to try to get him in the house. And it just so happened that it worked out that while, while Mama Christy's gone, here we, here we have this mom who comes in and just sweeped in and just filled that mama void with the kids and, and, and uh, they just arrived last night but I tell you the, the presence of a mom is back in the house and it is glorious. All of our moms we love you. There are none that are like you. Yeah, come on, give our moms a hand. Alright. Well, with all that being said Papa Scott, Mama Marcia, come on up here if you would and just love on this family and be a grandfather to the house today and, and just be yourselves and be who you are. We love you. Come on, will you please give my father and mother in the Lord a big, big, big hand this morning? Thank you. 
Well, I'm glad he's preaching today, but I'm glad I got to come and just love on you. And, um, you know, we were visiting at the table last night and we were talking about um, passion for ministry. And we were talking about being, you know, young in the ministry and we were revisiting the, the places of being young in the ministry and talking about young ministers and young, um, we were talking about me going back, way back when we first were in the ministry and going back to those places of being so poor we could barely eat. But the passion and the love for ministry, it was like we, you know, I said it was like being missionaries. We packed the coffin and there was no option. There was no turning back. There was, there was, an, there was not a plan B. It was the love for the call of God and the call and the love for the passion for God's people and that call for, for, for what God has called you to. And I am so thankful for that call of God upon our lives. And I'm so thankful to be standing here today. When we were in, in um, uh, worship this morning, I, I drew close to Scott, which I love doing. And I stood close to him and, and I, we were watching Jade. And I said, those times, those times early on, when it would have been so easy to cash in. I'm so glad we didn't cash it in. So thankful we didn't cash it in. Because I was watching you, Jay Duncan. I was so thankful that we didn't cash in because you are part of our inheritance. And I was watching your precious children. I was watching Milan and I was watching Kenya. And I was thinking about your messy boys this morning as we were feeding them. (laughs) My goodness, what an operation feeding twins in the morning. You haven't experienced that. That's a thing. It's a beautiful thing. But that's part of my inheritance. And I'm so thankful that we didn't cash it in. And I'm looking out upon you. And you are part of my inheritance. You're my Mm. children. You're part of our inheritance. You're our children. You're our grandchildren. You're our great children. You're part of our inheritance through him. Mm. I love you. Mm. And there are pastor's wives that are called to be tough as nails. And I can be tough as nails. And those that know me, they don't come to see me to hear what they want to hear. Sometimes I do. Not very often. But I love people. I love people. And I love them enough to tell them not what they always want to hear. But I love people. And today I'm glad I get to come and love on my inheritance. You're my inheritance. And I'm glad I get to come and love on your people. But I'm glad you get to preach. (laughs) And I get to come and love. So, preach. (laughs) (laughs) That gets gets harder and harder to do, uh, to preach, when she's in the room because... I often make the mistake of looking at her and suddenly y'all just don't matter anymore. I just, that's just locked in there. So it's such an honor and a pristine pleasure to be here, uh, to be with you. Ditto to everything Marcia said, but I want to give some greetings to some very special. We got lots of wonderful friends, certainly reuniting with all of our uh, Antioch family. Uh, we love you and adore you. Uh, we've got other friends here, uh, Brad and Kim Oster. It's great to see them. And so we're proud of them and Rochelle, uh, Raquel and Eric Hunsberg and their beautiful family. It's so good to see y'all today. Thank you for being here. And what and, and our ORU friends and, and precious, mm, wow, I love y'all. So proud of all of y'all. And uh, 
And Mama Cece, where did you go? It is such an honor to meet you because I've heard a lot about you. This man loves you and adores you. And I just am glad to be able to be in the same room with you. God bless you, everybody. Give yourself. Let me tell you why I'm here. I have a word from the Lord uh, that two days ago the Lord gave me. uh, And I'm going to read it word for word before I preach. I'm going to read it word for word as the Lord gave it uh, to me. And it's a word to Antioch church, but it's not to the church body and it's not to the pastor. It is to the partnership and oneness of the pastor and the body together. That's what this word is. So I want nobody... I don't want Pastor Jade to not hear this. I don't want the, and cast it over to y'all. And I don't want y'all to not hear it, cast it over him. This is to the partnership and oneness of the pastor and the body together. And I'm going to share this word with you. And then I'm going to detail it a bit and then preach, give you what the word, uh, and then the Lord will connect it. And here's the word of the Lord. The courtship is over. The honeymoon is over. But the romance has just begun. But it's time to take this relationship to the next level. It's time to exploit, which means to make full use and and derive benefit from the purpose, power, and potential of this marriage. Today is about both of you assessing the value of this relationship. Today's about Pastor Jade assessing the value of this relationship. It's about you, Antioch Church, assessing the value of this relationship. It's about a mutual laying down of your lives for each other. It's a call to focus on God's, listen to this, it's a, it's a, it's a call to focus on God's purpose, the church's abilities, and the pastor's vision. And how the three work together to do something greater than anybody ever expected because God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or hope or think. And so those things established and laid down, I want to give you a scripture that's gonna tie it together. Then we're gonna jump into some waters together. But in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, and I read out of the New King James, which now makes me very old. I have become that preacher. (laughs) And uh, you can read it uh, in whatever you have, but here's what it says. Uh, where there, it's uh, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. Where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint. What an awesome scripture. So many people have used this for so many reasons uh, to impart vision, a great leadership principle, a great thing. But in reality, the whole purpose of this scripture is uh, without revelation or without vision, the people perish is what the uh, King James said. Uh, Without Revelation, where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. That word revelation isn't just a motivational word to have a mission statement for your purpose. It's not just a motivational thing to give you something to focus and know where to go. It literally is talking about uh, an oracle, a prophecy, or divine communication. That's what that word means. As, as fun as we try to make it to empower our organizations and our churches, it is talking about a prophetic divine communication. So where there is no prophetic connection to the throne of God, then the people cast off restraint. The root of this word uh, revelation indicates a prophetic that is knowledgeable and experienced and therefore able to look into things and perceive things that other people can't see. That's what this word is referring to. And the root is especially appropriate uh, to speaking to those things which are presented to the minds of prophets, either through visions or through revelations. It's talking about the necessity of us having a connection with the prophetic in our life. That's what it's talking about. Aren't you thankful when, um, when there is somebody who's connected to the throne of God in your life, right? Amen to that person over there. 
We were designed to be connected to the throne of God and there's got to be a, a, a revelation from the throne to us because it says without that, there's a casting off. When it says uh, in the King James, those people without vision, they perish. That's from the, uh, the, the word para, which means to become, uh, to cast off restraint or literally to become unbridled. Now, when we say that word unbridled, it instantly puts an image that I think God has for Antioch Church and the pastor of Antioch Church today, this relationship that God is focusing on today. So you really need to listen to this. God just uh, used this word to help us consider an image when it said to become unbridled, where there's no prophetic revelation where there's no prophetic connection with the throne, where there's no divine communication, then the people become unbridled. Now, I won't teach on the places, but you see it throughout Scripture. The most famous is when the prophet went up into the mountain and was there in the presence of God 40 days. And what did those people now do? They became unbridled. They took off the bridle and there they go. And they're partying down there around the, the golden calf. And that's a great illustration for us. But this image of becoming unbridled is really dramatic. It puts uh, an image in our mind of a uh, relationship between a horse and a rider. And I want you to think of that for a minute. When you consider the bridle which uh, is placed onto a horse and it has a bit that goes into the horse's mouth. And I'm not an expert by any means, but I know a little bit just from research about this. And it is powerful in focusing on this relationship between the pastor of a church, that connection, that prophetic connection and the church. Now, this isn't saying that everybody is supposed to be a prophet because there are those and there are not those Everybody has to have it in a, an office that comes to them through a divine establishment from God. And that's why the pastor was placed over a church. Does that make sense to you? So the body can have a restraint, a proper. Now let's go to that, that bit that's fit in the mouth of a horse for just a second before I really preach the word this morning. A bit works this way. It's placed in the horse's mouth, and it works by applying pressure inside of the horse's sensitive mouth, specifically on a place called the bars. It's a place, uh, a space in between the incisors and the molars, which it's uh, made of very sensitive cartilage, and it has a lot of nerve endings. Now, I need you to understand this because when the bit is placed there, it's placed into a place of sensitivity in the mouth. And the whole, the whole setup is that the horse will respond to the pressure, not to the pain. Now, that's important for the, 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 the rider to understand. You see, when a, somebody's new in the saddle, you got an unstable relationship here because that, that rider is wanting to control that horse and the bit, the bridle, the bit becomes a place of, but can, can become a place of pain rather than the pressure. Restraint applies pressure so that then, and you say, oh, listen to this, when that horse is there and you're not an inexperienced rider, what you're trying to do is control that horse by yanking and pulling, but what you're doing is affecting the exposed nerve endings and giving that, oh, do you know that the church is full of nerve endings? We're very soulish people. And those nerve endings are out there. And that's why this has to be a relationship. How many brand new pastors have gotten fresh into the saddle? And they put scars in, into that cartilage. They have affected those nerves. It's a relationship. I'm telling you what, the seat and the legs and the loving, caring hands of a pastor are where the pressure is dealt with properly. Leading, woo! That's pretty good, huh? So the idea is that by moving away from the discomfort, the pressure, 
The discomfort of the pressure, the horse moves in the direction that the rider wants to go. Well, then the, whore, the rider needs to know where he wants to go. Now, this is an awesome illustration, the relationship between the horse and the rider, because uh, I remember when I was just a freshman in high school and somehow my parents took off the restraints and sent me on a, a vacation. I went with another high school guy to New Mexico, and I'm from Texas, and, uh, and we did things that well, anyway, <laughs> that's not anything to do with the message, but we did go horseback riding. Well, somehow we found this place and we, we, uh, we paid the money and we went horseback riding. I thought this is going to be a great story to tell. I'm going to be able to tell all my buddies that I went, you know, horseback riding in New Mexico in the mountains and everything. And let me tell you something. I thought for years that I had, uh, I had gotten a hold of the dumbest horse in the world till I grew up and I realized I was the dumbest rider in the world. And that thing tried to get me off his back. He would run, he would, those guys are smart as he would walk close to the cactus on the right side on purpose. And I just, and I was going, this is just a dumb animals. They can't do stuff like this. No, this guy had an intelligence level that was just above me. And he's just, and the reason is because there was no connection. There was no love. There was no, but if I had that relationship with him, I would, I would not be wanting to hurt that horse. I would be wanting to guide him and he would have my back as well. You see, he would care for me. This horse would make sure that he's give, given me sure footing. He would make sure that he is not leading me into, even if I thought this was good terrain, he would lead me in a right way. Oh, and if you come against me, this guy's gonna bite you. So anyway, with that as an illustration and me coming down to get a bottle of water real quick, I want to turn into another, uh, I want to get into the portion of scripture and then let's let that, thank you, settle in our spirit for a while. Okay, was that good? Do you, you understand that? You grasp that this morning? Good. Let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 25. And this is a familiar portion of scripture to a lot of people. It's a parable. I love when Jesus gives parables because when Jesus gives us parables, he is giving us a re, he's giving us an ability to see invisible things. You can't see invisible stuff and the kingdom of God is made out of invisible stuff. So how do you tell somebody what something invisible looks like? You give them something that they can understand so they can wrap their mind around it. So I love it whenever Jesus says the kingdom of God is like I'll go, good, you're gonna tell me what it's like because it's invisible and I wanna know this stuff, this is so important. So he goes, the kingdom of God is like, and we find it in uh, Matthew 25, verse 14, and we're gonna go to verse 27, it says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, and to another he gave two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability and immediately he went away on his journey. Now, right there, we understand that God is saying that the kingdom of heaven is like this. Now, who do you reckon that the guy who goes off on a journey and gives his goods out, who is that pointing to? Whisper to your neighbor because you're not, I'm hearing all right, he's talking about Jesus. That would be Jesus, the lamb, okay? Savior. Jesus, this is, so we're seeing that that's Jesus. That was funny. Let's pick it up. He gave, oh, who would the servants be? One received five talents, one two, and one one. Who would that be? Say it again. Us. That's right. That's us. Who are those who are a part of the body, those who are servants of him. So you're servants of Jesus Christ. There you go. And it says in verse 16, and he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and he made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. And he who received one went and he dug in the ground and he hid the Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with him. So he who had the received five talents came and he brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said to them, said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were, uh, you were faithful over a few things and I will make you ruler over many things enter into the joy of the Lord. He also had two, received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, 
I've gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you were a hard man reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed and I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, there, was, there you'll have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, I, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and I gathered where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received my, back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance from him. But from him who does not have, it, what, uh, what he does have will be taken taken away. Now listen, that's a, how many of y'all have heard that story before? Lift up your hand. All right. How many of you have never heard that story before? Let me see your hand. Anybody? Okay. That's a familiar one to all of us. So I want to take that for a second and I want to give you three things that we're going to focus on for just a minute. First of all, we're going to look at the mission of the church or what I call the purpose of God. The purpose, how many would think that it's important to know the purpose of God? Yeah, I believe truly that there's some churches and even some ministers that totally forget that stuff and they get so busy on their purpose. We don't want that to be. So let's take a, a look first at the mission of the church. What did God put the church here for? Number one, Mark 16, 15, to make believers out of all nations. Okay, to make believers out of all nations. Number two, in Hebrews chapter six, one, two, we see the doctrine of Christ. And so we are to teach the doctrine of Christ, which is the repentance from dead works, the faith towards God's doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. All messages that are preached come from those things. That's who Jesus is. That's the top. So we are called, uh, the church is to make uh, believers of all nations, teach the doctrine of Christ, worship God. Mark 14, you shall worship the Lord God and him only shall you worship. And then to provide a moral standard or to be salt and light in the world. That's the purpose. That's what God placed the church here for. He, to do those four things. The church is doing those four things. We're doing God's mission. That's awesome, okay? So now that we know the mission of the church, let's look at the vision of the church because the word did say where there is no revelation or where there's no vision or where there's no prophetic connection, people perish or they cast off restraint. So let's look at what the vision of the church is or what, what the vision is for. Vision of the church is how the church seeks to accomplish the mission of the church, okay? Okay. The vision of a church is the way that they seek to accomplish those four things that God gave the church here to do, okay? Now, to understand that, it looks different for every church. That's why there are denominational differences. You see, the vision that one church has to carry out those four things might be through liturgical worship, Somebody else, another one, their, uh, their vision of meeting those four things might be through strict holiness. Another one, it might be through, um, through carefree abandon. One of them, it might be through uh, 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 their focus is, is different. Do you understand that's how they do it? It's why there's difference in denominations but the vision of the church is also why there's worship style differences. You know, have you ever gone to one church and the word is good, but the worship is just not the kind that you like, right? But there's people in that that are totally getting it. It's because the vision, that's part of their vision. It's that's, that's why there's different worship styles as well. And then there's also ministry focuses that are different because it's all a part of their vision. Some churches have a, a, a massive vision for missions, a massive uh, burden for, for missions. Some, it's a, a massive burden for inner city um, uh, work or whatever it is, discipleship. You see, all of these things are the vision of the church. And so don't be looking at another church and go, they've got it all wrong. No, 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 no. It's because they got their vision of God's purpose. Look at it through the vision God's given. Where there's no, at least they got a vision. 
where there's no vision, where there's no prophetic revelation, people cast off restraint. You know, in our church, there's so many. The one thing I, just, I learned in our, in our city, I've been there now since 1994, as Pastor Jade said, since I've been in there, I've noticed that there's seasons that there's such ugliness in the churches. Ugliness in the churches and backbiting and bad-mouthing other churches. And the one thing that I recognize is, listen, if that guy's doing it different for me and you're calling him shallow, I want you to know that God's the one who is telling that pastor what he's supposed to do, not me. Swimming your end of the pool as God tells you and then explore that to the fullness. Go to the top, to the bottom, all the, but stay in your end of the pool and don't badmouth somebody else in their end of the pool. So anyway, vision of the church. So write this down. Vision is what connects your ability with his mission. Vision is what connects your individual abilities with God's mission or God's purpose. Vision is very important because without vision, you've got these gifts and you've got these talents that you're just using for whatever you want. But it's the vision of the church, it's the vision of the pastor that causes your abilities to be able to connect with God's purpose. That's where real satisfaction is, where your abilities are being used. So we've talked for a second about the mission of the church and the vision of the church, but now let's focus on the abilities within the church. Now I'm looking at you for a second. I'm looking at you because I, I, I see a bunch of individuals who have abilities, who have gifts. And some of you know what those abilities are. Some of you are going, I got abilities. And more of you are going, he's got abilities. <laughs> we all have abilities. And so if vision connects your abilities with his mission, then two things are very important to know what your abilities are and what your church's vision is. Two very important things to know, what your abilities are and what your church's vision is, or more specifically, what your pastor's vision is. Oh, this is about to get really good and connect some dots in some people's lives here on this. This feels like a celebration Sunday to me. It feels like homecoming. I'm so honored that you invited us to be a part of your homecoming or what. This is fun today. So... So let's talk about ability. What is ability? Ability means to have sufficient power or resources to accomplish an objective. You have ability to have uh, sufficient power or resources to accomplish an objective. Those who have available muscle power, brain power, or monetary power available to them. That's some ability. Now, let me give you an example about this. And I think I'll choose the example of picking or choosing a basketball team rather than picking my fantasy football team. <laughs> That's another illustration altogether. So choosing a basketball team, when I size up the people, the individuals, and I look at, uh, I'm looking for one specific physical attribute most likely, what would that be? Huh? Height. Looking for height. I'm looking for height in them. And that's, that's who, because I see within them, that person has the ability above what the other ones do. They've got this, this physical uniqueness about them. But the thing for us to understand is ability, there's a difference between ability and capability. Got it? Write it down. Because we're talking about the thing vision connects your ability with his mission. So don't think just because you have ability, you have capability. There's a difference. Those who have, what is capability? You're looking at those who have utilized their abilities and become capable to perform. They are trained and ready. That's capability. So example, let's go back to the basketball team that I chose a minute ago. All right? Game starting in just 10 minutes, and I uh, cut two of my tallest players. Why would I do that? <laughs> I would do that because they're not capable of making the plays. They're not capable of making the plays. 
They've not utilized the available resources to bring their unique physical attributes to performance level. Can't make the shot. He can't endure. He can't do it. He's, he's not invested in the available training to him. He hadn't done it. He didn't value this thing enough to invest his abilities in it and turn them into capabilities. I'm looking at you and you've got abilities, but are they capabilities? I mean, are they capabilities? It's easy to get on the bandwagon and get all excited and praise and worship and, and bow down and, and feel the stuff because we've got nerve endings that are waiting to be touched and loved on. But have we turned our abilities into capabilities? Are we capable of doing what God said when he said, church, it's time to take this, revel this relationship to the next level? Now, in Matthew 25... 14 through 27, as we read, we looked at these servants and y'all said that that's us. You received goods, you received some stuff, talents. I love it in that scripture because the word talent doesn't mean what we mean talent. In that scripture, talent is referring to a monetary a measure. And we're not going to go into how much that was. It was a truckload. It was a lot of stuff, really good stuff. I wish that my master would leave me with a bunch of talent but I do think it's neat that it's called talent because that gives us an idea and connects with the fact that we do have talents you have some physical abilities you have some things that other people can't do it's a talent to you so that's neat that we can utilize that and I want you to understand those are gifts and things that God gave you for you to be a steward over in even this this uh this parable right here but it says right at the beginning that when the master left when the lord left he gave to each one of them a a, a talent he gave them talents each according to his ability so every one of them had exactly what they could handle he didn't give the guy could who could handle two talents five talents he goes no i'm not going to do that i look at him and i know this guy can do it he can do it he can do it. I'm not going to give him more than he can handle, but I'm going to give him what he can handle. So every one of you have what you can handle at least. And I like to say this, there's no such thing as an, as an untalented or no talent servant, just talented non-workers or talented barriers. But there's no one here who hasn't been given talent, given stuff, given the goods by the master. And I love it when the master gives us the stuff because he knows what we can handle. So whatever you got and other people have mad mouthed and other people have made fun of or the devil has kept buried down in you out of whatever insecurities, I want you to tell, I want to tell you, God gave it to you, not another person. God gave it to you. God gave it to you. He's the one who said, you can handle this. I'm giving you, because I've got a partnership between you and a man of God so this church can do stuff that you've never even imagined. So it matters what you do with God, what God's given you. Is it just gonna sit there and be an ability or is it gonna be a capability? What are you gonna do it? God said in that word, it's time to assess this relationship, assess this relationship, assess what, not only what this church means to you, but what this man means to you, assess what they mean to you. Are they a paycheck? Are they an ego stroker? Are they people just to launch you up and lift you up so you can do the things that you want to do? Church, does he exist to teach you stuff so you can feel good? Or, or, what? or is there something more to this thing? I know this about relationships. Marsh and I are going to be celebrating our 29th anniversary in, woo, that's a 29. Did you hear that? Made a mistake and looked at her. <laughs> I can't tell that story. Oh, I want to tell that. I can't tell that story. Almost 29 years in, fe in February. And I've noticed something about, what did you say, restraint? <laughs> Jonathan, all right. Just paying attention. <laughs> so I noticed this, that at the, f you know, does anybody know what passion is? I'd say it's kind of like motivation. 
And there's a stage of a marriage that there's more motivation than at other stages, right? And you know, that first couple of years, let's say that first three years, you know, whoa, Nelly. That's a Texas term, okay. And then I said, whoa, Nelly, maybe. And then sometimes it stops. I've seen this so many times. People go, well, I just don't feel it anymore, so I'm gonna check out. I've seen that so many times. People coming into counsel. You've seen that before. They come into counsel because, so we just got problems. The relationship has is, is gone downhill. The relationship didn't go downhill. Maybe the passion changed because now it's where that happens where the true romance really begins. It does because now my romance is based on commitment and love, not based on selfish feelings. Now my, my romance is because I love you more than I love me. I was with you the first couple of years because I loved me pretty good. You were my trophy. And so, but when you stick it beyond that and you realize now, I, I know the, the dumb parts of you, the stupid parts of you, and I still love you, or reverse that, and you still love me. <laughs> you, you know, that's when that romance really begins. But it's not just in a relationship. I'm talking about in a church. You know, this principle, um, receiving goods from your Lord to your unique ability does not mean that you're immediately capable to utilize the goods. This really enhances that uh, or points to that principle that many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called or able, but few are chosen. Those who allow themselves to be made. I look here, I see all sorts of them that are, that are able. I see all sorts of them in here that are able, but are they capable? They are called, but are they chosen? And it's not chosen based on, well, God's going, ah, no, I don't like him. No, it's based on seeing what you do with the goods that he gave you. That's what makes it chosen, all right? In other words, ability without vision equals a waste of ability. Ability without vision equals a waste of ability. Now, I noticed something in this, and I'll, and I'll bring this to, uh, to some sort of a prophetic close as the Lord connects us, because that prophetic is so important. But I noticed something that in this scripture that when it came to, comes to the end of it, when he's talking to that one servant, something always bothered me about this, because he talks to that one servant. Now, tell me why... You didn't become capable. Why did you bury your ability? Why did you not focus on that? Now, his answer is puzzling because remember, this is a parable. It's a reflection or a, or a acknowledgement of what the kingdom of God is like. And so he's talking about Jesus when he says that. And he says, well, basically he says, Jesus, I knew this about you. I knew that you were a hard man and you went and got stuff from places that you didn't, weren't supposed to get stuff from. And I noticed, Jesus, that you're the kind of man that goes and reaps where he didn't sow. So I kind of stayed away from that. And so you want your stuff? It's right here. I, I, took, I guarded it for you. And I noticed this, that Jesus, or the master, doesn't correct his vision. He didn't straighten him out. And this is interesting to me because I know if you tell somebody something about me that's not true, man, I'm gonna be doing everything I can to restore my, wait, no, 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 I'm really not that kind of a guy. I'll do every, you'll do it too, right? You'll do everything you can to make sure the truth about you is known. And I notice that Jesus, the, sir, the master doesn't do that. As a matter of fact, he turned around and he says, so if you knew this about me, now I can mess with us and go, oh, maybe I don't know as much about Jesus as I thought, maybe. Maybe he is a jerk in some ways because that sounds, he's not a jerk. But you know what? How many people that you know think, God's, think that God's a jerk? How many people, why? They've got a wrong vision. They have a wrong interpretation. Their revelation of him is wrong. 
Now, why is it that a servant of his had the wrong revelation? I'll tell you why. Because he didn't value the mission of the master enough to investigate and to learn. He didn't learn what motivates him to find out the truth about the master. He was content to live in his assumptions. But you see, these other two who had abilities, they invested the time to get to know the vision and the plan of the Lord. Do you hear that? You are responsible for what motivates you. It is not this man's job to find out what motivates you. It is your responsibility to find out. And you know what? If you want to get on with the plan of God, you better do some investigation into him. You need to find out who you're serving so that you can really understand how to find the right motivation. Are you burying your talents? I'll bring this to close. At age 16, you came into my life. We came into each other's lives. And you came to me, as you said, that one morning, came to my office, and you said, in your words, and that was very accurate, you said, I want to be a Timothy. Would you be a Paul to me? What you were saying to me is, would you put some restraint on my life? Because I'm a gifted young man, and I've got nerve endings going all over the place in the spirit, and I need you to bridle me. Right? That's what you said. We neither, neither one of us had the words to articulate that, but we understand that fully right now. And that privileged relationship that you brought me into changed both of our lives, not just yours. And I want you to know that as I speak to your children right now, that you've changed my life. And that's an honor. And from the beginning, you know, I said that that prophetic connection, that prophetic, that word where there is no revelation, that means a prophetic that is both, ex, both knowledgeable and experienced, allowing the person to receive things that other people don't. You showed that from age 16. I want you to know that. I saw that I have every card of encouragement that you ever gave me, unsolicited. No, I never saw any youth do that. You'd send me a card and it was not just a couple of lines. You wrote, a, you wrote the, I thought I was going to have to wait for the movie to come out. It was like a book. It was a, shh. need the cliff notes on this. But I read every line. Marsh and I read every line. And we looked at that. And it was encouraging. It was line upon line. It was powerful. I saw that. And then you presented me on a pastor appreciation day. On behalf of our youth, you gave me a, a Bible. And it was a Thompson chain reference, uh, uh, Moroccan leather, beautiful, and None of the other youth signed anything, but you wrote a full page. I, I keep that. It's precious, precious. I used it a lot. And you wrote things that showed a wisdom, showed a knowledge, showed a connection. Okay? And that was you. That was the man who sits at the helm of, of this. He sits in the saddle. Okay? And that was you. And it's not just me who recognizes something in you. My church, Faith Point, your home church, the one that... You, you came from recognizes in you. We pray for you often. We pray for Antioch. Pray for Antioch Church. And we're very proud of this man. But church, I want, as I said at the beginning, for everybody to assess your value of this relationship because God says it's time to take it to the next level. You know what? Let me tell you what happens when somebody says that. You look into her eyes and you go, I think, honey, it's time to take this to the next level. She either bolts or she looks back and says, you're right. Same thing today. This is, a time, this is a word from the Lord. He says it's time to reassess or just assess where you're at. What do you want out of this relationship? It was when Marsh and I got beyond that three years, that five years, and we got through the hard times that she was talking about, that we fell in love again and we discovered the potential of this marriage. The potential of this relationship. What do you want? What is gonna happen? What's the potential of the relationship between you and this mm. You see, when that trainer, when that man sits in the saddle and he places that bridle on their horse, there's untapped potential in that horse. It doesn't like it initially. He'll buck. He doesn't like it because there's pressure. Oh, we don't like pressure. And it's so easy to cast off the restraints and just not have pressure. But you know, if that pressure is applied to that horse, one horse is going to become maybe a war horse. One horse is going to become a quarter horse. One of them is going to be able to pull a plow and a team of other horses. I'm telling you, it's all in the bridle. It's all in that relationship. Do you see what I'm talking about? What do you want? What's the potential? 
in this city, in Antioch Church, what's the potential? You've gone through the transitions, 20 years of powerful foundation and deep, deep word, deep prophetic laid, and then building again, going through the pain of transition. I know what it's about. Going through the growing, growing through the learning how to sit in the saddle and not be bucked and learning how not to buck. All those things, all the offenses, oh, that hurts my cartilage, my bars hurts. That's the little place, yeah, I told you about that. Submitting to the will of God. You reassess, you assess it today, but I've, I've already assessed it. And when you assess something, you assign value to it and value is backed up by works. You know, I'm honored by a church that takes something seriously that this month, it isn't just y'all's as a, what is this month, October, for y'all? So it's your one year anniversary. And you're taking this month to focus on that? Somewhere in Essen. Every year, my, my anniversary, it's interesting, I just now realized my anniversary of being the senior pastor at Faith Point is October. Same, same month, that's our anniversary. And it's also um, the church world somehow came up with the term Pastor Appreciation Month. And my church. And I did this, I love it. I did this with my senior pastor who's retired now in 2003, but Pastor Bob Miller, my fa one of my fathers in the faith, every year, you'll remember this, every year we would honor him and do something. Marsha and I, it was our privilege to figure out what are we gonna do this year to honor this man? And we'd just secretly behind the pastor's back, we'd be doing all sorts of stuff and, and then have a special day and we'd honor him. And then I became the senior pastor. The most uncomfortable thing in the world is what we've been doing to that man for, for all these years and now they're doing it to me. And I'm, I, it's, it's hard for people to say, we love you. It's hard to hear people say, not only we love you, but we're gonna show you. And they've done things for us. Last year, they, I think it was this, this past week. Oh, we cried all day. We read cards that they'd written. They put gifts in there and done stuff. That was beautiful. And I sat there and I humbled myself. I'm, I'm sitting there just broken by the show of affection. And, and, and I recognize that this is a God thing and I, that wouldn't be happening if I was yanking on that bit and bringing pain and inflicting. But I think that what they've done is they've assessed this relationship and they've known that Marsha and I, we will lay down our life and we have, and they will lay down their lives. So I want you to assess your relationship, but Jade, I want you to come here for a second. I want Mama Marsha to walk you up here for a second because as, as he stands before you, I just want you to hear my heart for him. I've shared it to you and I just, I'm not a real dramatic person. I don't do dramatic things, but today I just am gonna obey the Lord because I want to plant something in your heart and seeds that are planted grow. But Jade, we love you. Happy Pastor Appreciation Day. And that's to Jay Duncan and we love you, okay? Faith Point believes in you. And we wanna sow that into your life personally, all right? Because that's good soil. You've connected with the throne and you've touched their lives and I'm proud of you. I love you. You're a good man. So church, I want you to honor this man. I want you to cherish the fact that he's got the reins. And I want you to cherish the fact that he cares about what's going on in those nerves, those sensitivity. You've got somebody you can try. I've seen it since he was 16. Thank you for letting us come to your church. I love you.